to Cafe Con Politics, the Miami Herald's political podcast. I'm David Smiley, the Herald's political reporter, and thanks for joining us today. Special announcement, this is Marco Cardellano's last podcast with us. Marco was our producer, and we don't know what we're going to do without him. Quite literally, we don't know what we're going to do without him. So we'll try to figure out how to keep doing the podcast when Marco is gone. But we want to thank Marco for coming in and allowing us to do the podcast here. So we're going to jump into the governor's race here. I got Martin Vasolo, who is, what are you, Martin, at the Herald? What's your title? (laughs) First of all, thanks for having me, David. Uh, I would say I'm a general assignment reporter. I've been helping out with local politics stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. And Martin interned here last summer, was it? Yeah, last summer doing politics. So so Martin has been helping me out with the governor's race, and that's been really helpful the last couple of weeks because while during the primary election, it seemed like at times you couldn't find a Republican candidate in South Florida. You know, they were down here fundraising, but there weren't many public appearances. Just, you know, the last couple of weeks, Ron DeSantis, starting with the day before Election Day, has really paid a lot of attention to Miami-Dade County and South Florida. He visited Versailles, a traditional campaign stomping grounds where candidates go to kiss the rings of Miami's Cuban-American voters. He was there the day before Election Day. And after winning, which everyone knew he would. He's definitely spent a lot of time in Miami-Dade County. And so I guess starting with the obvious in terms of his attention to the area, DeSantis for his running mate chooses Jeanette Nunez, a Kendall area Cuban-American woman as his lieutenant governor pick. That's an obvious nod to Miami's Hispanic community, although her qualifications certainly stand on their own. She's well-respected on both sides of the aisle. But I think that's part of a sign of what we're seeing of DeSantis really courting Hispanic voters and trying to play in that community. And there are a couple of themes down here in South Florida that show how important Miami-Dade is in particular to DeSantis, starting with Nunez's pick and looking at also his competition with Tallahassee mayor and Democrat Andrew Gillum. So so I'm going to step back here and, and let's talk stats a little bit. I uh, I prepared for this podcast, so I have papers to shuffle. And I want to just want to let people know that I actually did some work for this, unlike past weeks. So let's start talking about voter populations. There are 13 million voters in Florida. About five million of those are combined between South Florida and the I-4 corridor, where about two million of those voters are Hispanic. Okay, so that's that's a pretty significant number of Hispanic voters. And then if you look at Miami-Dade specifically, there are 1.4 million voters in Miami-Dade. County, which is about half the population, and more than one million of them are Democrats or NPA voters. And that's a lot of room for Andrew Gillum, who grew up in South Florida, to operate in a year where all signs suggest that Democrats are energized and voting, and NPA voters are so far seemingly inclined to go against President Donald Trump and Republicans. And to think about the numbers and the importance of small numbers in the governor's race, consider that in 2014, Rick Scott won the governor's race over Charlie Crist with less than 3 million votes cast for Rick Scott total and by a margin of less than 65,000 votes. That's one percentage point. So the race probably, again, going to be all about the margins. And going back to Miami-Dade County, looking at the voter population, 800,000 of the county's voters are Hispanic voters, and only one-third of them are Republicans. So if you're Ron DeSantis, what do you do when you're directly aligned with the president who has separated families at the border, vilified immigrants, and tweeted that Democrats invented the Hurricane Maria death toll in Puerto Rico? One of the things you can do is is talk up 
socialism. So that's a message he's been delivering in South Florida. And, and Martin, you recently saw DeSantis speak down here. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the event you attended and what you heard. Sure. So DeSantis has been in Little Havana twice in the past week. On Thursday, he visited the Manuel Artime Theater in Little Havana, where in 2016, President Trump announced a new policy toward the uh, the island nation. Uh, 2017. 2017. And so it was an anniversary event for, you know, a local group, Inspire America, which is hoping to spread democracy to Cuba and the Americas. And so DeSantis was there joined by members of the exile community and also the parents of Mario de la Pena, brothers to the rescue pilot who was killed in 1996 when the Cuban military shot down four members of that humanitarian outfit. So DeSantis restrated his support for indicting Raul Castro, who's now 87 and who recently stepped down from his role in Cuba. He said it was a pressing issue for him. He spoke in Spanish. But more importantly, he said that, you know, the scourge of socialism coming from Andrew Gillum, you know, is threatening to invade the U.S. and Florida. And so while he did speak about the Brothers to the Rescue attack and indicting Raul Castro, he said a more pressing issue was, you know, this threat of socialism. Let me step back a second. Ron DeSantis spoke Spanish. How is his Spanish? So he said, you know, he took some courses in high school and he had to kind of dust it off. But, you know, it wasn't bad. He spoke two sentences. And what he said was socialism would be a disaster for Florida and we can't let socialist policies win in this free land. And that got a huge applause. And then he switched to English. Better Spanish, Bill Nelson or Ron DeSantis? I would say, you know, I would say Ron DeSantis speaks more clearly. Challenge Bill Nelson. All right. So, so yeah, Ron DeSantis definitely hammering the idea that he is the only capitalist candidate in the race, talking about issues that are important to Republican Cuban voters who are pretty reliable voters already. And he's already done well with that population, right? So he's certainly, I think, making sure that Cuban Americans in Miami know that Ron DeSantis is is their guy. But I also think that the message of socialism is geared at if there are two million Hispanics in Miami-Dade County and a million of them are, are Cubans, that the message is gonna really be more effective in terms of the other one million people that he's talking to who are coming to South Florida from places, in some instances like Nicaragua and and Venezuela, where socialist dictatorships essentially are really wreaking havoc on the country and in the headlines for just all the wrong and terrible reasons. So, you know, there certainly is a uh, a question I think we should get into in terms of, is Andrew Gillum really a socialist? And the answer is no, he's not. Andrew Gillum is for Medicare for all and for a $15 minimum wage. Sure, he, he embraced Bernie Sanders, a Democratic Socialist, to help him win the primary campaign, even though Andrew Gillum was a Hillary Clinton delegate during the 2016 presidential campaign. And yes, Andrew Gillum is driving Florida to the left. He's not a center-left candidate. He's very left and very proud of it. He talked during the primary campaign about Florida Democrats should stop trying to go Republican light in order to convince voters to vote for them. But he is not a socialist. I do think one thing that is fair to point out with Gillum is that he hasn't exactly tried to just destroy that claim. I mean, if you look at Ben Jealous, the Democratic nominee for governor in Maryland, when he was asked if he's a socialist, he said, are you bleeping kidding me? And he didn't say bleeping. We're not in the FCC regulated program, but I'm pretty sure my bosses would not be happy with me repeating the, the phrase. So we're going to use bleeping. But so Ben Jealous, very forceful. I'm not a, a socialist. Don't even ask me that question. And Andrew Gillum has certainly been more soft in the way he's responded to it. Seems to not want to really 
go out there and like condemn socialism or be seen to be condemning it. But certainly he has said that he's not. And I know PolitiFact rated that claim false. But uh, but I do think that he should worry about that claim down here with voters because voters from Latin America are certainly going to be sensitive to the idea of socialism down here. And any hint of leftist policies are going to cause voters to give pause, potentially encourage Republican voters who are thinking about jumping off the Republican bandwagon or maybe sitting at home. Maybe they'll vote Republican or even push Democratic or NPA voters to potentially stay at home as opposed to voting for Andrew Gillum. When you got a chance to talk to DeSantis and Jeanette Nunez at this event, did you get a chance to ask them about the socialism claim and just sort of why they're talking it up and and how they feel about Gillum and the differences? Yeah, so they stood directly with their claims that he is a socialist. Um, They said, although he is affiliated as a Democrat, that is a party title and not reflective of his ideologies. And I would say that this kind of talking point has gained momentum after the victory of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who won her primary in New York. She's a self-described democratic socialist. And so her endorsement of Gillum as well as Bernie Sanders' endorsement kind of was the perfect fodder for attacks like these. Yeah, and Bernie Sanders did not do well in South Florida. He, of course, lost to Clinton pretty decidedly in Florida in the primary, but his margins in Miami-Dade County were significantly worse than they were for a statewide average, which I think is partly related to news that he had traveled to Cuba, socialism, and things like that. So your run-in with Ron DeSantis at Artime was not your only encounter with the Republican candidate. You also got to spend some time recently in the Everglades with Ron DeSantis and Alligator Ron Bergeron. Ron Bergeron is a cool name. I feel like he shouldn't be allowed to use the name Alligator Ron because now he just sounds like a superhero. <laughs> I'm jealous of him. But what, um, so you got to go on an airboat ride and, and chase him around. What was that like being in the Everglades with Alligator Ron and Ron DeSantis? Yeah, so for DeSantis, you know, he was saying that before he could become the governor, he wants to know firsthand what kind of environment he will be affecting with potential policies. And so he was in an airboat with Alligator Ron Bergeron, who's a, a champion for the Everglades. He was formerly, you know, the head of an environmental organization in the state. Was it an environmental organization or was it with the FWC, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, I think. That's I think right. they're actually law enforcement, believe it or not. That's right. It's the trappers and stuff like yeah. that. And so they went out about five miles off of Alligator Alley in Broward, and they were just kind of, you know, surveying the land. And afterward, Bergeron was saying how DeSantis has been in his office constantly um, asking, you know, what he could do to help mitigate concerns with green algae blooms coming from Lake Okeechobee and trying to restore the Everglades. And so he was very successful in the primary being anti-Big Sugar. And so now he's hoping to separate himself from Gillum by calling himself a Teddy Roosevelt style Republican and a caretaker of the environment. And his critics have said he's a sham environmentalist. Right. So DeSantis rolls out his environmental platform, which is his first essential like policy paper. As a candidate, he kind of kept himself a blank slate during the Republican primary, focused a lot on being a supporter of Donald Trump, which was combined that with Fox News reports was pretty well enough to, to get him elected over Agricultural Commissioner Adam Putnam. And now he's starting to roll out his platform as the Republican nominee. And so he visits the Everglades and he comes out with a platform of being against oil drilling off the coast of 
Florida and being against fracking, which are two statements he had made already. And then also coming out and saying that he's going to pursue the the state's reservoir south of Lake Okeechobee to try to reduce discharges of polluted water from the lake, use his contacts with President Trump to help secure nearly a billion dollars in federal funding that's going to be needed to build that reservoir. Talks about lifting Tamiami Trail in order to restore flow through the Everglades south of Florida Bay, which is in some pretty bad shape. And so he comes out and does this sort of traditional, you know, just like uh, it's traditional to go to Versailles to campaign with Miami's Cuban Americans. It's also traditional to visit the Everglades. And if you're in the Everglades, you better be on an airboat. Uh, Otherwise, what's the point of coming down here? So what exactly did they do in the Everglades? Did they just ride around and do a joyride? Did you guys go anywhere? Did he check out wildlife? What was the point of being on the airboat? They rode around. Yeah, they rode around. Then they went to this historic campsite where Alligator Ron, his family grew up in and around the Everglades. And so he has this little campsite and they got off their boats and they talked a little bit. But mostly it was just kind of giving DeSantis a chance to look at the vastness of the Everglades and just see firsthand what he would be affecting with any policy. Right. And you said he spoke a little bit. He was asked about climate change, right? Which he has made statements in the past that didn't necessarily suggest that he was on board the man-made climate change science had kind of jabbed Democrats for being focused on climate change and sort of saying that it was kind of misguided that we should be worried about the environment and not climate change. But what did he talk? Was he, he was asked about it, right, at this event? And, and what, what did he say? Right. He was asked about it. And he basically said he believes that human activity contributes to affecting our environment. But he did not want to have the label of being a global warming supporter, believer attached to his name. He said that human activity contributes to changing the environment, but he would not specifically say that human activity is warming the globe. And so his critics were saying that although his plan involves making coastal areas more resilient to rising seas, he doesn't include anything about reducing carbon emissions and things like that that could help combat climate change. So what does he think of people who are focused on combating climate change and focused on carbon taxes and things like that? Yeah, and so he was kind of calling them religious fanatics in terms of latching onto this political sort of talking point, which that's what he called it, of climate change instead of focusing on tangible environmental policies that you could affect. Gotcha. All right, you climate zealots, focus on tangible effects. What what about, what's he going to do differently than Rick Scott as governor if he's going to be for the environment? How is he going to do, how is he going to differentiate himself from the current governor who doesn't seem to be in the good graces of Florida environmentalists? Right. Well, he did not blame Rick Scott for anything. He said the problem with the algae blooms was with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers discharging foul water into like estuaries that go into southwest Florida. And so he did not say he was going to do anything different than Rick Scott, per se. He did say very open-endedly that he was open to anything and that he would do what was best for the environment. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think I think there will be more to come from Ron DeSantis in Miami-Dade County. He has spent a lot of time in South Florida during the first couple weeks of the campaign. And Andrew Gillum, the Democrats were kind of subtly all over South Florida during the primary campaign. And, and I would expect Gillum to spend a good bit of time down here as the campaign progresses. So we'll get more chances for FaceTime and, and uh, to ask them questions. And hopefully we will get to break some of that down here on the podcast once we figure out how we'll exist life post 
Marco Cardellano. So I want to thank Marco once again for helping us to engineer the podcast. I want to thank our friends at WLRN for allowing us to use their studio here at the Miami Herald. And uh, thanks, Martin, for coming by and talking to us. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.